0: You are listening to Paolo Di Marco Podcast,
1: one of the world's leading luxury magazines. Today on the podcast, I am with Grant Harold, the former royal butler. Welcome. How are you?
0: Well, thank you. How are you?
1: Great. So, the first question I would like to begin with is Being the former butler to the royal household, what was it like to serve the royal family? And please explain to us how you serve them on a daily basis.
0: When people think, you know, when you work for, as a butler for royal family, they say, oh, it must be so unusual. And it's not. It's, it's no different to any other uh, butler job. And, and butlers today, you know, obviously the, the kind of day of a butler is everything from, uh, obviously, you do the meals. You know, obviously, there's breakfast and there's the livings. And there's lunch and there's afternoon tea and dinner. But you're also kind of personal assistant You're there to help look after guests. You're there to answer doors, phones. Um, run errands look after kids so you kind of do a bit of everything you know that is that is what a butler does he's able to do a bit of everything um and and manage manage a household run run the house of the principals you know family're not there all these kind of things it's very much part of what a, a monday butler should be able to to do and and i always say to butlers you know he's got to kind of be open to you know if they suddenly ask you to so my dog's back uh, if they suddenly ask you to help with IT things or computer things you must be able to kind of assist you know be able to understand it or help so it's good it's just it's just good having common sense a bit of common knowledge with a lot of things so actually getting to look after the Royal Family was such a, a dream come true because I remember um, being obviously slightly and, and shocked you know, the first time you're in their presence and, and kind of looking after them and, and seven meals or uh, just being around them, you know, you, you kind of think this is amazing and but you very quickly, it becomes the norm, you know, within about a year, it, it's normal, there's nothing unusual about it, nothing unusual at all. Uh, the first time, well obviously I met the Prince and the Duchess at one of my interviews, so I already I'd met them before I even worked for them. And then when I started working for them, I was sent up to Scotland. And that's where I, I had my introduction to them, uh, which was great. And the Queen, uh, the first time I met the Queen, officially or unofficially, was I was actually, again, in Scotland. I was I was out horse riding or pony trekking. Uh, because it was one of the, the sports that, you know, they used to kind of, let you know, about uh, local activities you can do. And that was one of the things that came up. And so I went out riding and... By the end of the ride, as we were coming back down to Memorial Castle, the, the I remember looking down and I thought there was rabbits or something that were trying to they were getting in between the horses and I was I was terrified not horses but the ponies and I was terrified that suddenly the the, the animals would, the the ponies would, would get scared so I was trying to tell the, the lady who was in charge you know there's there's rabbits or, or rats or something running around I could I could only because it was in a bit of woodland so I couldn't really uh, see properly and. Um, Anyway, quite soon after, I just go. It was corgis. Because so I looked down, and I thought, "That's not that's not rabbits." I thought, "It's bloody corgis." <laughs> I thought, "Oh my god!" And I looked over to the side, and there was the Queen in her head, headscarf, and you know, so kind of said good good afternoon, you know, Your Majesty, and nodded her head. And so that was my first introduction. I thought, "Well, that." I'm going back to the house, thinking, "Well, that's just gone so badly wrong." You know, my first introduction almost trampling the Queen's corgis, um, but. And then and then I actually, uh, the Prince actually introduced me to the Queen at a dinner. So it's such an extraordinary experience. You're, you're at this event. Uh, I wanted to, see, it might be the Queen's 80th birthday or something. And even though I'd been around her and said and stuff, we hadn't, I hadn't been properly introduced. And he suddenly introduced me to her. And it was such a, such an amazing moment. Where, you know, suddenly the Prince of Wales turned out and said, you know, you know, Mama, this is this is Grant. You know, my, one of my but, my new butlers. And the Queen's kind of, you know, like, oh, lovely or whatever. You know, I can't remember exactly <laughs> what she said. But it was that moment of thinking, okay, that's quite cool. I've just had the future king introduce me to his mother, the Queen. You know, so not quite what I, I imagined. I didn't dare ask if she remembered me writing to her when I was a kid. But i really <laughs> waiting. Uh, he was called Lady Susan Hussey. I remember uh, Lady Susan Hussey used to write to me when I wrote to the Queen, or, on certainly one occasion. And I remember being with Lady Susan. and I said to with Lady Susan Hussey, I said, do you, do, "I said, oh, I, I once wrote, and of course she wouldn't remember." But she, God, we laughed. I said, I said, put pictures in and stuff, and it was just so funny, kind of thinking, thinking back. But 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 dealing with the family, you know, on a daily basis, it does become the norm. And looking after the William and Harry as well became very very normal i mean I, they had my number i had their number and it was quite often i'd be out with friends and things and suddenly my phone would go off and it was really funny because i was allowed to i've never really kind of talked about this but i was actually allowed to call him william um you know i was i was quite lucky uh, there was one or two of us that were allowed to call them by the, the christian names and i remember on day one you know i remember saying to william you know I, I, at that point i called him prince William i said you know Prince one what what oh your highness what, what can I call you and he was oh no 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 William call me William and that was the relationship I had with him so for all the years I was there I only ever knew his William and I only knew her as Kate and so whenever I've done interviews and I've had people tell me off people who say how dare you call her Kate her name is Catherine or Duchess of Cambridge you know to you and I'm thinking no <laughs> well I'm there I, she, she told me she said I could call her Kate so I've only ever known her as Kate but of course out of respect today I do try to go with the official titles, but sometimes I forget. I slip up and forget, but that's only because that was the relationship that I had. I had that opportunity. And and being around them and looking after them and Harry uh, equally was just great fun and and quite normal. Nothing unusual about it. And traveling the country with them and going to different events or, you know, so so many great memories. I even remember once going to Wales to meet the royal train, and there was a, a chap on the station platform. One of the, the one of the chaps that met the trains that they came in, and he didn't know. He knew the prince was coming, but he didn't know what was going on. And I was standing next to him, and he was this Welsh chap, and he was so excited. The Prince of Wales was about to arrive on the, the royal train, and he looked at me, and he said, "Because I was in my uniform," he said, "What do you do?" And I said, "I'm one of his butlers." And this chap couldn't believe it. And he's going to my, He said, do you, "Do you know him?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he said, do you speak to him?" I was like, "Yeah." And then, and then he gets so excited. And then I said to him, you know he's on the train, don't you? And I was like, no, no. I was like, no. He says, I, I just know the Prince of Wales who's on the train. And I said, okay. So as the train pulled in and the doors opened and we were starting to go out, I, I said to him, you know who the Queen is, don't you? So he, was, he said, because I know who the Queen is. I said, if you stand next to me, I said, the Queen's going to walk past me in a second. And he, he, he's like, what? What? And it, so he stayed next to me and the Queen and the Prince um, he was, I should quickly mention, he was security cleared because he was he was allowed to be there. And the Queen and the Prince um, both walked, because obviously Prince Somming came over, and uh, they both walked past. And this chap obviously kind of nodded his head and just tried to not clap. <laughs> tried to just keep standing as they walked past. And he said that that was such an amazing opportunity and he would never forget it. Because he was so proud to be Welsh. He was so proud. Um, to have the Prince as the Prince of Wales and, you know, proud that he thought the Queen was wonderful. And and that, for me, was such a nice little moment to be able to bring that kind of joy for something so silly. I mean, he was allowed to be there and he technically stood wherever he wanted, but I just had standing experience. I knew they were going to come over. And it was just so nice to give, to see that, that um, reaction, you know? So nice.
1: In your buyer, you state, that you are the defender of etiquette. Why is having proper etiquette so important in 2021?
0: Etiquette has become etiquette has kind of died out. I think at one point, or well, people didn't really take any notice or bother about it. And then suddenly, there's been a, a resurgence where people now want to learn etiquette. Um, not so much the younger generation. I'm talking about more uh, overseas clients, and in a way there's many people that teach etiquette. And what frustrates me, uh, I'm fully aware of a lot of what they say and what they do. And I'm not saying that in their household or in their school or their establishment is wrong. But as I always say in your home, your rules are correct. It doesn't matter where you are, who you are or your background, your rules are correct. That's what's so wonderful about the word of etiquette. Etiquette has been around for centuries, but Louis Fourteenth is the one that made his own rules up. And a lot of those rules you know, have kind of been adapted and changed, and that's the rules. And when royals do etiquette, because of Louis Fourteenth, it's seen as the, the be-all and end-all. That's how it's done. And what annoyed me was those people giving advice and saying things that just went, went right. And in a way, my way of teaching and my way of doing it, I like to think is the more traditional um, way of, of keeping these old traditions. In a modern way, a modern world, they're keeping these old traditions, which I think is important. And so that's why. Um, again, I remember there was an interview, and, and somebody actually coined the you know came up with the term. well, you know you you you, you're all, you kind of I think you see yourself maybe as like a defender of etiquette. And I thought that's a great you know, that's a great way to describe. That's exactly what I how I see it. Um, so all these kind of little sayings of, of people have said to me, you know, king of etiquette, defender of etiquette. I take it as a compliment, and I know what they're getting at because they're kind of saying that I. The, the way I do things, the way I see it, I, I try to do it at the top. And that's only because I've worked for the top. But I've learnt from the top. I mean, there's not many people who can say they've actually learnt from the Prince of Wales or learnt from watching the Queen or being around the Queen. You know, and that's when I do my courses and classes, I very much teach how I learnt from them. And in the world of etiquette today, and the people look at British etiquette, well, if I'm teaching from the way I have learnt from the British royal family, That to me, that's the best that you can get.
1: Yeah, if anybody's a good reference, it's going to be you. Yeah,
0: yeah, (laughs) it's quite nice actually when I get people asking, people come to me and say, "I'm asking you because you'll know," and that's really nice. Yeah, I always feel quite lucky when people say that. Mm.
1: What makes the perfect butler to an everyday household, and what is the difference between a royal butler and a hotel butler?
0: The perfect butler, I would say, is somebody that um, is discreet, truth, truthful, and loyal. Uh, there's a kind of, when I run my butler school, I've give i I've got a little statement that I put out. And what I'll do is I'll find it, actually, and, and, and send it over to you. So you've got, it's a little quote thing again that I put out. And it's it's just basically saying, you know, you, you're discreet, loyal, truth, truthful, um, you know, able to think ahead, uh, discretion, it's all the it's all the traditional things and that and I've always said it doesn't matter if you know if you as long as you can if I can say as long as you can keep your mouth shut, as long as you can keep this discreet about the 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 private business, if you like, of, of the family. Um, but you don't have to put a plate down, they're not gonna be so worried about you not putting the plate down. I think they're more worried about the fact that you can keep um you know, things confidential. Because then if you have a butler you want to know that your butler's not gonna turn around and tell everyone about your your, your your private dietary requirements, or your um, what goes on in if I can say in your bedroom, or anything like that. You know, you do people don't want um, they want to know that those things are, are kept private, and I think they should be. I would want those things kept private, and but at the same time, you know, if you do break something, some of like that obviously they want to know. But there's not going to break all the china. But um, as I, I think in my experience, that's the most important. Is the most important thing, and when people say to me, and this has come up, you know, what's the difference between a, a royal butler, a hotel butler? Um, it's quite a huge difference because hotels are very commercial, five star hotels are very, you know, obviously commercial and done in a very different way. And it's it's interesting because I've so I've, I'll give you an example. I have put videos up of how I've laid tables for royals, and you have people that go to these five star hotels. and They'll say to me oh, your tablecloth isn't ironed correctly, or there's too many creases, or this or that. And I'm thinking, you've got no idea. Because you go to these five-star hotels who do iron their cloth on the tables, you can't iron cloth on, you know, Georgian Oak tables. You can't, you know, the things that you you, you just, when they tables and things, you, you just don't, I know this because I've, I've been there, did it, done it, got the T-shirt. Um, and they don't understand. And they think that because in a five-star hotel it's done like that, that that's, that's the way of doing it, and that it really frustrates me. Now, uh, quite easily, a butler in a hotel could quite easily get a job in a private house, and then will potentially relearn. Which there's nothing on what they've been taught, because a lot of private houses today run um, corporate events and things. So it's always handy to have that site. I mean, I've learned the corporate side as well. I've had to because with the Royal Household, they do a lot of um, you know entertaining and corporate entertaining, business entertaining. So you've got to understand that side of it as well. It's not all about using the, the finest crystalware and the the you know, the finest China bone china and stuff. Sometimes they use the, the, the commercial stuff uh, for the bigger numbers and things. So you've got to kind of understand so there's nothing it's always handy known both worlds, but they are different because one is a very traditional old fashioned world with the finest Chinas, the crystal um, antiques all these kind of things and I'm not saying that in the hotels they don't have those, they do. It's just a very different stuff, it's a very different world. You know, one is a is a family and the other is is a lot of people that come and go. So there is a there is a difference. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with, with learning both both sides of it. But it does it does frustrate me when people that go to these hotels and they suddenly think that now they know how to behave, act and dine like the Queen. And they have have still got no idea. You know, they're learning from a—and can I say a new money perspective? They're not learning from a from the kind of traditional, and that's that's where they, that's where it goes wrong. That's where they fail because then they get invited to old money. They get invited to some shoot weekend or something, and they dress up in the most ridiculous outfits, or they behave in the most silliest ways, or they, they treat the staff badly because they they've got no idea. Uh, and that that really it really annoys me. But it's just one of those little. One of my little bugbears, you know, one of those things that, as we all do, the things that kind of wind us up, and that is something that sometimes does annoy me. But, but then again, I think, well, you know, I, I know what I'm doing is done the correct way. I know I've I've learned it from the, the best, and that's good enough for me.
1: Mm, it definitely comes with experience.
0: Yeah, I think so. De- experience is the, you know, I've been doing this for have to add this up now. I started in, in a private the very first private home was 1997. Hmm. So what's that? 24 year 24 years ago. So you know. Um. So w- wow. So I mean, I'm coming up for a quarter of a century. Oh my um, gosh. Well,
1: definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so much experience.
0: Doing, doing doing this doing this. You know. So 25 years of you know of 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 being a butler of working in media of teaching etiquette. Uh, even you know in the private houses, I still had to understand etiquette. Running a butler school, teaching butlers—you know—I've not just been doing it for for five minutes. Mm.
1: But,
0: you know, so that's that's the other thing I'm, I'm quite passionate about is, is doing it right. Mm.
1: How would you describe watching Harry grow up and now leaving the royal family?
0: Watching Harry grow up grow up was was great fun because he, he's he's got a great humour, very down to earth. Generally, nice guy. I've got a lot of time for Harry, uh, I and mean, then obviously seeing him leave the family and everything that's happened in recent, well, in recent months and so the last year, it's very sad. But at the same time, everyone's pointing fingers and blaming people, and I don't think it's about that. I really don't. I, you know, I don't think you can blame anyone. I don't think you can. You can. Why? Why? Why blame? You know, everyone's saying, "Oh, no, Megan's done it." That's. I disagree. I think. You know, they've said that, that, you know, that she went in knowing what she was doing. Well, you could say that about anyone that marries into any family. Of course, you know, people uh, shouldn't walk into anything blinded. You know, and everyone's going to have a an idea or a plan. I think, unfortunately for Megan, what she didn't, uh, as I did an interview on this recently, what she probably didn't understand is that the firm, you know, uh, as well as the, the side everyone knows, there's another side to it, which we where have got the courtiers and the people that run it. And they can be very traditional, they can be very strict, uh, it can be very political, and I have a feeling, and I don't know because I wasn't there, but I have a feeling that if she could kind have of maybe run into that and, and found that difficult. Um, as Princess Dana famously, you know, quoted about the men in suits, this could be a case of history being repeated, and then you can understand why it's happened. So before people quickly run and judge her, we should, we should you know, look at the past and think is this just a case of history repeating, but instead of repeating, you know, Prince Harry wants to stand by her and make sure that the that history isn't repeated and he protects her. And, and if that then results in them living in another country and having a new life, then fantastic because it's what they want to do. I see nothing wrong with that, he's, he's protecting, looking after his family. And when I say protecting, I don't mean, um, I'm not just talking about from, if I can say, courtiers or that kind of thing, I'm talking about in general, even from the media, from everything. And and they are celebrities now, very much. And when people say, "Oh, how can they still put out statements or say things?" Well, it, how can they not? Because they'll be hounded if they do. They're hounded if they don't. So I I just find it very frustrating. I do. I do feel for him because I. I like him a lot. So I think that's what I've kind of said to people. You know, just just. You know, just to get off his case a little bit, you know. Uh, and at the end of the day, you've also people read about how the Queen and Emma fallen out. I don't believe that for a second. Uh, you know, people have said to me, oh, obviously the Queen's disappointed and this kind of thing." We don't know. We shouldn't make we shouldn't make judgment on it. I think you have just got to what we know about the facts. We know about we stick to those and just wish them well. You know, and hopefully, I hope he makes a huge success of what he's doing.
1: Mm. Were you able to meet Princess Diana?
0: No, Princess Diana died, I want to say about six years before I joined, but obviously she was very much, if I can say, still part of the fabric of everything. Um, You know, obviously her name was kind of, we kind of come up in conversations and things, and and it was quite nice actually, because I, I, I was a, obviously I think a lot of people had a lot of respect and admiration for her, and when she died, I remember saying at the time, I wanted to help look after the boys, which ironically I did, weirdly, didn't I? Six years on. Um, but no, but I used to hear the most wonderful stories about what she was like and her humour and the jokey side of her, the things she would do to make staff laugh. And I loved all that. You know, I loved all that very much. So I, think she had a, I think she was quite a special person.
1: Mm. What's in the future for you?
0: Well, so at the moment I'm, I'm obviously because of COVID, I've been thinking of trying to move as much as I can online. So, for me, I'm now running all my, uh, as of next week, literally all my courses are going to be online. I've got all my, I think I've got three etiquette classes online. I'm about to take, I'm about to start running butler courses online. Um, I'm going to, I've started running talks online. So I'm going to continue running all these online. And then I've been talking to Blenheim. Uh, obviously because hopefully things look like lockdowns, there's a plan for lockdown to come to an end in the UK. And so Blenheim, uh, I've been speaking to my contact over there about starting to get the courses up and running again um, as soon as possible. So hopefully this year, um, what's exciting is is I will hopefully continue doing my classes in person as I've always done. But now the new opportunity for so many people, and if I can say fans of what I, who have seen and know what I do, it's given them the opportunity that if they can't afford, you know, to get on flights and come over here, there's now the opportunity of doing it online. So they can actually do their classes or their training online. And the media work continues. I've, I've been filming for quite a few more um, different programs. In fact, somebody said to me the other day, uh, it seems that every weekend I seem to be on television at the moment. Um, I think it's just I've done so much filming during lockdown. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, But it's great because obviously it's it's a job and it keeps me busy. Uh, And then going forward, I'm I'm in talks with production companies about ideas for uh, different shows and programs and things. Uh, So I'm keen to get some of these off the ground. And I'm also in talks about potential etiquette books and things um, because I'm obviously getting asked that a lot. So I've, I've started getting into kind of discussions and talks on that. So there's quite a lot. Um, there's a lot in the, the, the pipeline, if I can say that. There's a lot of plans uh, afoot, and it's great because I think it will just keep growing what I've done over the last, uh, wow, you know, it's 10 years. It's 10 years in May since I left, so it will keep growing what I've done over the last 10 years. But not only, not only that, it's also, I think, going to keep evolving.
1: What inspired you to establish the Royal Butler, and how long has it been established?
0: Do you know, it's funny, when I, so I obviously was a royal butler, I worked for the the royal family, the British royal family, uh, or to be exact, for the Prince of Wales, Duchess of Commonwealth, Prince William and Harry, and when the job finished, um, when I left, there's that point where I was kind of thinking, where do you go from here, what what do you do, who do you work for, because when you've kind of, in my book, or in the world of a butler, when you've looked after the British royal family in the UK, it's the kind of top of the, the game, so I was kind of in this situation. I think where where do I go from here? What can I do? And somebody actually said to me, "Well, when people used to kind of meet their royal family, would you not teach them how to behave uh, um, around royals You give them points And I said, "Yeah, that's that's a good point." So basically, this is where I began teaching etiquette, and right, right around the same time, my butler school, um, a very small butler school, <laughs> not like it is now, but the butler school began, and. It was it was quite unusual because the media um, started referring to me as as um, you know obviously initially as a former raw butler, and then uh, I started kind of get nicknamed raw butler, and this name um, from early on kind of stuck. And weirdly, uh, when I left the Royal household, I had already put a kind of plan in motion um, to use it as a kind of alias, if you like, to use it as a as a, I mean not initially it wasn't a stage name, but initially it was it was a kind of uh, you know have it on all my kind of social media platforms. I didn't really have a plan as to how I was going to use it. And then, of course, the etiquette, you know, it's, the etiquette took off, the butler school took off. And the kind of, the, the, if you like, the kind of brand of, of what I do uh, and the way I'm recognised through the stage name of the Royal Butler, it's really interesting because people actually um, know the Royal Butler. In fact, they come up to me and they they, say, oh, they call me the Royal Butler. They don't know me. They don't know Grant. So it's quite interesting when you actually create something you do something and it, it kind of becomes what you're known for or how you're you're recognized um and it has it's, it got very confusing i also had a at the beginning i had a company as well and, and nobody the, the company didn't even it was called nicholas beach and and you know all the letters and the email everything was coming to to the royal butler so the company's gone there i i pulled it back a few years ago and just started doing it all through 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 myself
1: and also it's really interesting to see how your kind of stage name becomes your main profile and so when people confront you, they don't say Grant Harold," they say the royal butler.
0: People literally come up to me uh, and they'll, I mean, I had it the other week in town and somebody come up and, you know, they'll sometimes come and say, oh, royal butler, or or sometimes it's even stranger, you'll be in a shop and go, oh, you're the royal butler, and, and it's, it's really weird. And I'm like, yeah, um, so much so, um, and I've only just started kind of talking about it, and um, Uh, It's quite funny because people, some people picked up on it, some people haven't, Um, but I even changed, I actually changed my name uh, a couple of years back because I was getting mail uh, obviously coming in um, to the Royal Butler and and it was getting lost because obviously there's a lot of Royal Butler's, you know, and and, uh, who obviously work as Royal Butler's both in the UK and overseas and it got a bit confusing, so I actually, Came up with the, the idea. It was actually through my agent because I said it's very much became a stage name, and we were trying to work out how to go forward and protect it. So we came up with this idea of of um, uh, changing my name, and so I legally changed my name. Uh, so it's actually the Royal Butler is part of my name, and it got it does sometimes cause confusion because but, but it's, it's it's interesting because people come up and call me the Rob Butler. That, that's my name. Yep, that's who I am. But sometimes you'll you'll kind of do interviews or things and. They'll kind of put Grant Harold, uh, you know, aka the Royal Butler, or put Grant. It doesn't matter anymore because it doesn't matter how they put it. it. It all kind of, it all kind of means the same thing. Um, and it's really interesting because no sooner than doing all this, do you know today, I actually have people copying. I have, I've had to shut down Instagram accounts. I've had to report things to Twitter um, because people are, are copying. They're doing, they do the same thing. Unfortunately, they, they seem to be trying to get money from people, which is quite disappointing. You know, they're trying to say that I'm raising money for whatever, and they want people to donate money and stuff. So, you know, this is why I'm, I'm really keen on protecting it. And, and the other reason I protect it is I'm also aware that if I go on a social media platform or, or somebody pretends to me, be me and says something about a member of the Royal Family or something, it's it believed. I mean, I've had this happen. I've had things written in the press that I've not said, and it's, it literally becomes front-page news. So I'm all about protecting uh, me, the, 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 the Royal Butler, as, as you like, um, and also my the business that I've created, you know, through the the, the butler. Um, well, it's called the Royal Butler, the, the Royal Etiquette and Butler School, which is um, the school that I run uh, with Princess Katrina, who is Princess Katrina of Yugoslavia and Serbia, and is a is a, a member, a cousin of the British royal family, and she's the patron of the school. Um, so it's to kind of protect all that uh, in a way. And um, but little did I realise that. You know, it would become. I don't think any of us knew it would become the way it, it it would become. And even on my YouTube channel, where I put up the posts and, and things, and every week I try to, I try. It's really difficult sometimes with everything going on. But every week I try to put up a video, and I I have a, I join in the conversation. I do a live premiere, and it's really funny because you know they all literally they the nickname me. They call me TRB. You know, TRB, TRB, um, and then and to add to the confusion of this whole setup. My dogs, I've got Dachshunds, and because of lockdown last year, I was doing these videos again on YouTube, these etiquette videos with the Dachshunds, and the, the fan base for the Dachshunds is, is is crazy. I mean, we have we have things sent, we have biscuits, um, cloths, towels, cushions, all sorts of things sent to the dogs, and then I nicknamed them the Royal Dachshunds, and they're all Dachshunds now. I've got their own, they've got their own Instagram, their own Twitter, uh, they've got their own fan club. We have fan mail. We actually have letters coming into the Royal Dashants. So, um, but it's fun, you know, it's making people smile and people get a giggle from it. And the, the dogs, weirdly, Dashens have got this thing where some of them can be a little bit too grand. And and sometimes, you know, I'll put pictures up of them sitting in a. Literally, I don't even do it. I don't, None do with me. The dog sits in a chair upright, resting his paw on the arm of the chair. And I'll take a picture and I go, see, this is why there's the Royal Dashants because they act just like, yeah, just let like royals.
1: I'll definitely be looking at that Instagram page, that's for sure. <laughs> that sounds great.
0: <laughs>
1: when did the Royal Butler start? And why is knowing the fine art of etiquette so important in today's world?
0: So the work as the Royal Butler began, uh, I want to say back in 2013, 2012, 2013. Uh, I left the Royal household in 2011. I probably spent a year just kind of working out. Um, what I was gonna do, obviously. You know, it took a year to kinda of work out a plan, if you like, and I did a lot of networking back then, you know, those of these business meetings and back in the day when you could you could socialise, you know, did a lot of that, meeting people, discussing things, getting ideas. And then um I think 2012, 2013 was when I started um putting the Rob Butler out there. Um and the etiquette school uh probably began I want to say it was around about two thousand and thirteen. Uh, as well as the, the Butler School soon after, same year, probably later in the year. And then both of those, obviously, over the years started to grow. I mean, the Butler School, the very first Butler course was uh, in a little, it was to be held in a little, um, <laughs> a, uh, how do describe it describe a little room in a hotel, literally a tiny little room in a local hotel. Uh, the owners very kindly agreed that I could, um, would give me this room to use for the Butler School, so it was quite a fun thing to do. And within two years, that 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 had moved to Blenheim Palace, uh, where the school now runs. Well, it was running up to three times a year. Uh, sorry, twice in Scotland. Sorry, twice at Blenheim and once in Scotland because then we launched it in Scotland in 2000. And, um, I think it was 2017. We launched it in Scotland, um, and it was it was until obviously COVID. It, it was it was doing really well. You know, we run a couple of courses down here, courses up there, uh, and the etiquette the etiquette school. Likewise, I mean, kind of run at Blenheim, but at the same time, wherever I'm kind of required, I mean, I I do a lot of the classes at the Ritz in London. You know, I've I've traveled to Australia to do the classes. I've traveled to America to do the classes. And the clients can range from American talk show hosts, um, Jerry Springer, uh, Kelly Clarkson, uh, to fashion designers, to royals. Um, You know, I've got got some extraordinary clients uh, who are now friends as well. And it's really it's really nice when they, when they get in touch, you know, to kind of offer you, um, you know, to, to kind of get in touch, to kind of offer you, sometimes to offer guidance or advice, but in the same token, sometimes they'll contact you because they're going to an event or they're doing something they want they want to know my view or advice on it. So, you know, it's quite something when it's kind of grown into that. And the three areas that I class it as is, is the etiquette part, the butler part, and then the media part, which is the, the television side of, of things I've, I've done since I was, Wow, I started in media when I think I was 19. I think that was the very first thing I got involved in when I was about 19, the first article I did. And that's just, you know, over the years, it's just gone
1: on. Oh, really? So you were in media in the beginning?
0: Yeah, it's really funny because, so when I was a kid, I had two ambitions. One was to be a butler for the royal family. That was my dream when I was 14, 15. I even wrote to the queen and I've got the letters from the queen. Not asking for a job. But I think making her aware that one day I'd come and work for her. I think I even sent her my picture, just in case. Um, and then my other ambition, I loved acting. I used to join, I was in drama clubs and had a dra- I started up a drama club at school and I joined, I joined, can you imagine, an operatic society. I, tre- I tend not to talk too much about that bit, but I joined an operatic society. Um, and I loved, I loved media. And then one of my first jobs, or the first job, I had was working at at what was called a folk park uh, in Scotland in a place called Newton Moor and it was building these old traditional uh, properties, 17th century, 18th century properties and while I was there the press took an interest in these three young students learning these traditional arts and that was the very first time I remember being in, in the local paper and you know that was such a so funny thing about it now—that was such a big deal to me to be in the local paper. You know, everyone's looking at my, you know, my picture with the other two chaps, saying with well, these apprentices. You know, and where today, you know, I've even I've even been in Time Magazine. You know, so you, it's quite something. You go, you look back at the very start of something like that and think, wow, you know, you 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 know, I've, I've kind of done it all. You know, literally from the start, and kind of worked my way up, uh, and I've been involved in. I've actually lost kind. I can't tell you how many TV series I've done. Off the top of my head, four or five, um, countless television programs. Again, can even begin to imagine, um, you know, loads of, loads of different, um, uh, and interviews. Obviously, through the the press, magazines, you know, tabloids, um, you know, loads, loads of different things over over the years. And it's really, it's really nice because see, sometimes I do I do pinch myself and I think, you know, how lucky I am to kind of be doing all this. And, and i should quickly mention you know, obviously the one of the exciting things recently is, is also being in the polo de Marco magazine that was that was a very exciting opportunity when, when mike asked me to do that um it was really because what was nice about that i haven't really had a chance to, to um talk um, to mike about it but what's really been nice is a very good very very good friend is brian aris um who's a photographer not just a photographer he's a he's he's probably one of the most famous photographers He's a he, his 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 friends and his clients are the the who's who of, of you know the world of royalty and celebrities, and he's one of the nicest nicest men you could meet. I mean, it's such a nice actually. I mean, his wife, his family are just amazing. His wife is lovely as well. We've I mean, we've known each other for quite a few years. We met through a, a another friend, an actress, and um, called Susan George, and Brian uh, did these photo shoots with me a few years ago, and. We haven't really had the opportunity to use the pictures. Every now and again, they come up in different things, but we've never worked together on something uh, for a long time. And so, when this opportunity came up with um, the Poe Marco magazine, uh, and, and you know, Brian got involved, it was, it was really exciting. It was really nice, and it's so nice to see those those pictures. Um, you know, to see those pictures kind of getting shared and used again. It's it's, it's lovely. So he's such a such a great guy. And again, it's I, I kind of think, isn't this amazing? You know, somebody like myself who Kind of it off in, in the humblest of ways, and then you know you end up having somebody like that taking you know having a photo shoot with somebody like Brian Aris, who you know he's, he's photographed you know Hollywood stars and all. Sorts. So you do you do feel well, I feel really really lucky. It's, I kind of always pinch myself um, and think, isn't this isn't this an amazing amazing thing to be able to not only to do but to call it my work? You know I don't even class it as work, but I'm, I can you know it's amazing to call it work
1: with all these amazing things that are happening currently to you and with your experience what would you say to your younger self when he was first starting out
0: wow that's a really that's a really good question um do you know i think the thing i'll tell you what i've said to people i'll I'll tell you exactly what i've said to people who asked me similar questions but i love that question i've never been asked that the way you put it um When people say to me today about doing the television, they say, oh, you know, has it changed? When I do, if I get involved in any TV series, I've just done, I was just involved in a series called um, The Secrets of the Royal Palaces. And that was the most surreal thing, because there, you know, I'm filming those on my own. You know, it's not like because of lockdown, you have to do them when you're on. Before lockdown, when I was filming, there'd maybe be two, maybe two, three, if I was lucky, three crew, where when I started off, um, so I'm, I'm kind of saying that off, but when I was about 21, and I did the very first TV reality show, which was called Country House, and so funny people still they come up to me because they remember me from this, and you know, we're talking about 20 odd years ago, and they remember me from that. I thought, well, I mean, obviously aging not not too badly. Um, they, the the thing I would say to my younger self is, so when I did that show or that series, and I used to go out and about, it didn't matter if it was at the airport, if it was if it was in town, if it was if it was in London people just came up to me, uh, and this is, you know, because they knew me, they knew Grant. Uh, but even then, they used to call me the the young butler because I think in the programme, I was, I was a, you know, I was the butler. So they used to come up and say, oh, you're you, you Grant, the butler, or whatever. And um, do you know, and I'll admit it, I was a little bit, um, how do I feel, probably cocky about it. I was a little bit like, yes, that's me. Because I think doing something like that and and there was a crew, uh, the reason I was mentioning crews, and you know, we're talking about a crew of, wow, I mean, I am going up to London. There was a crew of maybe 10, 11, 12. And, and so, you know, and, and literally they did it, whatever you wanted they got for you. You know, you wanted a drink, you to this, that, you know, everything, nothing was a problem. And I, I, I certainly wouldn't say I was a diva. I would never say that. But at the same token, I was a little bit, um, I think because it happened so early to me, I was a bit like, oh, this is the norm, you know, this is the norm, this is how it is. And when People used to come up to me and, and chat to me, I, I, it's not that I, I, I didn't, I, I liked it, but I was probably, I probably what I'm trying to say, today, if somebody comes up to me, I'm so humbled, honoured, thrilled that somebody's taking the time to come and say hi to me, and they like what I do, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm really appreciative, you know, I'm really grateful, I always say I'm really grateful for them taking the time, if somebody emails me today, I make sure I respond to them. You know, I, I, sometimes I've got, I've got a few, um, if I can call them fans, uh, that will, will email me, um, you know, tell me what they're up to, what they're doing, and pass me to them. Uh, yesterday, uh, I was doing autographs. I had, I had um, requests for autographs. Yesterday, I was sitting down doing And I don't just do the autographs. I do little letters. I, I do little notelets with them, you know, thanking them for, for asking me. And what I'm trying to say is my younger me, I think I was just a bit too blasé. I was a bit just took it too much on my stride. And I think if I was to go back, I'd actually say to, me, to myself, I should be enjoying it more and not worrying so much because I, I just worried about everything at that age. And I think I should be saying to myself, you know, don't, just, just chill. You know, just enjoy it. It's going, it's going to be good, but enjoy it. Because the thing about Country House is, you know, it ran for about four or five years. And then when it was done, um, that's when I joined the Royal Household. And I didn't do any media in the Royal Household. But, but funny enough, when I met the prince for the first time, the prince and the duchess both knew me from um from country house where well, the duchess certainly watched it she used to say to her friends this is the butler from country house you know this is grant the butler from country house so um and again you know when she used to say that i was, at that point i'm still i was still quite young and i said yep that's me that was me i was the butler from country house um when now as i said somebody comes out and says are you are you are you that butler from that country house sure I'm like, wow, you recognize, you know, I'm I'm really grateful for it. So I think, but do you know what, how many times could you say that to younger people? I think younger people, and I work with younger people, obviously, in, in the media work, you know, and you, you, it makes me laugh so much, you know, they, at that age, you kind of think, you know, oh, you've did it, you've done it, you've got the T-shirt. And don't get me wrong, I'm only in my early 40s, but you, you do realize that even now, I'm sure, in another 20 years' time, that self was saying to me, "You still didn't know all. You still didn't, you know." And so I think the point is, you're always kind of learning. I think that's the thing I would say to my younger self is just, just enjoy it and remember you, you know, you're, you're learning it and 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 don't be don't be cocky about it, you know, because that definitely was something I I was when I was younger.
1: You previously worked for His Royal Highness Prince of Wales and the Duchess of Cornwall. What lessons did you learn whilst working with them?
0: The Prince, I very much learned. Um, people said to me, how did you learn about the whole etiquette and how to behave and stuff? Uh, and I, I learned that from my, my parents were very um, traditional, especially around meals, like w- 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 family meals. You know, um, when I say family family celebrations, about sitting at table and laying the table up correctly. They were very strict about that kind of thing. And they always taught me how to, to kind of do things the proper way. But then, um, when I was working with the prince, he very much, and actually not just the Prince, the, my previous employer, the Duke of the late Duke of Bedford, uh, 11th Duke of, um, sorry, 14th Duke of Bedford, he would also um, very much teach me kind of how to be, if I can say, how to be a gentleman. And it was quite nice actually because it was, it was, I, I feel so lucky to have been taught by, I class has been taught by uh, the Prince of Wales and the Duke of Bedford about how to be a gentleman how to dress, how to act, how to behave. So I very much learned these things. And then um, what did I learn from the duchess Well, obviously the Duchess was just uh, great. I enjoyed very much once the Duchess. I think I could also say, she also taught me, uh, again, to chill in, in life. And the reason I say that was I remember once getting invited to a ball. Well, I've been to quite a few actually over the years at the Palaces, but uh, one occasion, this, this ball up in Scotland and she danced with me, and I remember when we were dancing. She was trying to tell me to to relax, don't be so stressed. But I was worried about doing something wrong, and that was kind of how you know. This is what they were very they were very good at making you feel um, not not to worry about working for them. You know, they were very much just human beings. You know, the the you know, kind, caring. They make mistakes everyone else. You know, they were very much kind of teach me that as well. So I did learn some very valuable um, lessons. Um, and and at, th- th- at that age as well, twenty, um, what was it? I? Was Twenty-five, I think. So still at quite a young age, and you know, very much learning from them, kind of how to behave. And you no, know, so they they really did. You know, they taught me a lot. And and I wouldn't be doing, I certainly wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today with the etiquette side of things, if it wasn't for learning from from them, uh, and, and the, the late Duke of Bedford. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be doing the things I'm I'm doing today. So. In a way, I've I always kind of feel um, grateful to them for those um, experiences. And also, as they told me when I worked for them, they said that you know, from that day forward, your life is always connected with the royal household because obviously you're you, you're part of. I laughed at. you. I'll give you an example. The other day, they were talking about um, former presidents, and they were saying that former presidents always have the the secret service and the same security and the same privileges because they've been on the end. That they've been in on that. They've been privy to information and the inside of what goes on within the world of, of politics uh, or for the president in America. And in a way, when you work for the royal household, obviously you can't really compare it to the same, but when you work for the royal household, you do become privy to their private lives, everything about them. And so that, that this in the same token, that follows you around forever. Whenever I do an interview, people always ask me the questions that I can't answer. And because they know that I've been... Um, in that, in a core, you know, I've been in private, I've been with the Queen, I've been with Prince Charles, I've been with um, the Duchess, you know, you often, and and so you do get to experience a privilege, a really privileged kind of lifestyle and, and be part of, I say be part of it, you do get to be part of it as well. Um, so it always kind of follows you, it's always there, it's always kind of follows you around, which isn't a bad thing, uh, and in a way, again, that that's helped me, so, because it, it get it opens doors for you you know it gives people people trust you people respect you people um you know are, are interested in, in what you do because of 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 that background so i do feel again very lucky and, and it's kind of experiences in training that you just can't get you can't you know people say about you know how do you how do you get these experiences well you can't You go into a course in it you know i've been lucky that i've actually been there and and again, people say to me, my but, for example, my butler courses, because of my experiences, they say, oh, do we get the same experiences? No. I say, you, you certainly don't. I said, my butler courses are giving you my my training, my experiences that I've that I've had, but it's not the same as one for these people. And so in a way, I, that's why I call it an introduction, because it gives people an introduction into that world. Uh, I can certainly train them to be a very good, um, under butler or trainee butler I should say I can certainly train to be a trainee butler and then they go into household and then continue that but to actually experience uh, working for people and you know being part of that team you, you've got to actually go and do it you've got to be in those um, environments and I'm not trying to do myself out of jobs here at all because some of these families do want them to have basic training which is exactly what, what I do but then you know, to, to continue that you've got to go into the you've got to go into those environments
1: yeah, you need to have some life experiences for each family household.
0: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That you can't just. I think that's the thing, people. You know, the thing about with life is you learn. You know, we all learn so much every day and everything that we do, and and there isn't. And I know people make courses for everything today, but at the end of the day, that's great doing courses. You know, it's great learning stuff. But but the experience you get um, first hand especially in my world, you know, working in these private homes and things, you can't you can't better it. So it's 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 exactly what you should would exactly what people should do.
1: Would you say that there's a level of creativity going into becoming a butler?
0: Yeah. I think if you want to be a butler you've got to be slightly um you've got to be slightly creative, imaginative. Um, because you've sometimes got to think I was always taught to think outside the box, you know, when you when doing things. Because there's things from, um, a quick example is laying tables. I mean, to lay a table is not, you don't need a degree to lay a table. Laying a table is one of the easiest things. But as a butler, you go that extra mile. You don't just lay the table. You, we always used to call it a stage. Now, uh, one of the pictures that I loved that, that um, was used in the, the Polo de magazine was um, me on a table. And, and a few people, when they saw that picture initially, they said, why are you on the table? And I said, because... What I love about that picture is is a butler um, is is king of his world, and I've been nicknamed the king of etiquette, which is, is quite a compliment by by a a New Zealand talk show. You know they call me the king of etiquette, and so that picture kind of sums up the whole king of your domain. And I've always said that the the, ta- the dining table is the stage; it's the stage for for your performance as a butler. And so therefore, you know what, what your creative side, you know you've got to kind of let it flow to make it quite special and so it's not just kids putting the cloth on and the cutlery and the candlesticks I've done tables where I've put I've, I've done all sorts of things all sorts of designs all sorts of creations um, some can I say some wacky some traditional and uh, you know and, and that's what people like they like that and then also as the butler as well it's, it's, it's having a bit of humour so I was always told I had a bit of humour I could make guests kind of smile laugh um, but at the same time, without even being there, sometimes I could do the, do service, and nobody would know I was there. And other times, um, you know, the amount of funny things over the years that would that would happen in the dining room with royals or with guests, and it was quite it's quite nice because um, it just adds to the whole the whole occasion, the whole event, whatever's going on. So um, so yeah, so there's definitely a, a a creative there, and also when you're planning stuff, you're planning. Planning the the different uh, events, meals, um, diaries, all sorts. So you've got to kind of, so you've got to be able to kind of um, think outside the box, and and also plan ahead. That's the other thing about balance. well, we've got to be able to. You've literally got to plan ahead. You, you you can't ever be. You can never be behind. You know, as soon as one meal is done, not only have you got the next meal prepped and ready to go, and it all planned out. You've even got the meal after that, all maybe prepped and ready to go. You know, that's the secret. is trying to stay, stay ahead.
1: Everyone knows about the TV show Downton Abbey and The Crown. Which is the non-reality depiction, lifestyle, story of a aristocratic household? Tell us your thoughts on this. <laughs> um,
0: So Downton Abbey, when Downton Abbey came on, obviously everybody immediately fell in love with it. I liked Downton Abbey because I found it very, I thought it was well done because the politics, (laughs) the politics of households, you know, people talk about politics in the work environments and this kind of thing. And I think they assume that in in private households, you know, you don't have politics. And you do, I mean, absolutely you do. And Downton Abbey portrays that so nicely. With what goes on behind the scenes and he even says a bit of backstabbing, uh, romance, fallouts, make ups, break ups. You see everything kinda happening and it, it's so spot on. And that's what I find really interesting was not just what you saw upstairs. Upstairs is historically, you know, it's, it's more or less kind of known about it. and the relationships are beautifully explained, you know, between the casting and the young ladies. Absolutely spot on. I mean I, was, I when I worked for the Duke of Bed. The, sorry, the the fifteenth Duke of Bed with his daughter, Alexandra was only a she was only a baby when I was there, and and I do you know I still keep dare I say I still keep in touch with her on social media. Uh, I've seen her since, and and we keep in touch on social media. And she's eighteen ninety. She's be- beautiful. She's turned into such a beautiful young lady. Uh, and I said to the, the Duke and the Duchess, I, I even feel proud knowing that I was there in the early years, you know, and and kind of helping and everything, and. And so you do have that, what I'm trying to say is with Carson, that relationship with what Lady Mania and stuff, it's, it's so nicely done. The Crown, uh, really interesting, because I was asked to be an advisor, uh, the historical advisor on the Crown, and I turned it down, because I didn't want to give anything away that I shouldn't. You know, I wanted to try to be, uh, I didn't want to go and start giving any kind of state secrets away or anything, so I, I turned it down, which might be one of those, if you were to say to me what was one of the biggest things you missed out on, one of the biggest mistakes, that may have been it. I think that would be a good a good project to worked on, um, but I always believe that you know if you're not meant to do something, then, then that was how it's meant to be. And and in a way, I'm still glad probably I didn't do it because I say when I'm watching it, um, sometimes it can get very it can get very kind of political as we've seen. And again, it's interesting to see how the. Um, portray the family, and it's difficult because obviously historically I don't really know. But the more up to date episodes have been really interesting. Um, but I have said to people, you know, you've got to take a pinch of salt because the younger generation, especially in the states who have been watching it, um, in the USA, they've been very um obviously angry about what happened to Diana. I mean, we haven't even got we haven't even got to you know, to the late years, but you know, in the early years, they're very angry and. There's a lot, there was a lot of resentment towards the prince and the duchess, especially on social media. In fact, I think at one point, Clarence House or the, or the British monarchy had to restrict uh, the comments because they were just so negative. You know, as soon as they put a picture up of the duchess, everybody was going, going for her. And so I kind of raised my head, which I sometimes do. I sometimes suddenly say, speak out in defence, sometimes, not often. But I did actually say, you don't know them um i think that it's 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 difficult because yes there is parts of it that are accurate totally accurate and, and the late prince of done at wales where, you know i'm fully aware as everyone else is that it was a terrible time for her and there's obviously recordings and evidence of that but at the same time they're making stuff we're not i wouldn't say making stuff but they're implying things that we don't really know are, are true and that's where it becomes a little bit tricky so I, and then there was the question if there should be a disclaimer you know should they say this is this is fictional. But then I pointed out that if you look at any historical drama, even of Henry the time, there's things that we know and there's things we don't know. And the bits they don't know, obviously they put in what they think. That's no different to this. And it doesn't suddenly mean it's it's totally fictional. It just means it's it's partially a historical drama, which is what up until now I would class the crown being. So I don't I think it'd be wrong to suddenly start saying people, Oh, you know, it's fictional because it's it's not, because that'd be that'd be also disrespectful to the to the Prince William and Harry's mother. So I think, in a way, you know, as I said, people have got to watch it and take it a pinch of salt. Uh, but again, I've, don't get me wrong. I've watched it. I've, I even got involved in a, a competition for Netflix a couple of years ago and LG, where the prize was. I've going to say what a letdown. But the prize was to meet me. So you watch the Cry and you get to meet a, uh, you know, the royal butler uh, or former royal butler to the to the family. Mm-hmm. And um it was great fun, great fun to be involved. There was a, there was an advert. I was even in the advert. It was really good fun. That was my that was one of the I think that's okay. one of the first adverts I've ever got involved with for a for an actual T V programme. But um but it was really good fun and as I've watched it and I, I think it's I, I love the characters. I think Olivia Coleman is the Queen, um, Gillian Anderson is Margaret Thatcher, i mean hysterics. And again, I don't know how accurate some of it is. I mean some of it I watched and I can believe it, some of it I watched and I think that would never happen. I mean you know, when you see them getting into cars, you see the the royals getting into cars, and they'll say Highgrove or Kensington Palace. The, the royal would never a royal, a member of the royal family would never get. It's not a taxi; it's a chauffeur-driven car. They're never going to get in a car and say to the driver, Highgrove, because the driver knows where he's taking the royal. So I suppose that's done for television. I suppose it's just rather than put. I suppose it's just people know where they're going, because then there was all these TikTok videos with kids getting into cars, going in and palace, mm-hmm. palace or Kensington Palace. So. And I'm thinking they don't do that that doesn't happen um, but again this is where I'm obviously not taking with a pinch of salt so I've got to kind of then see it from from um, the other side but um, no I think, I think they're well done I think you know like everybody they're, they're fun to watch they're interesting and enjoyable and I'm sure as, as time goes on um, you know people will, will look back at them and, and like with upstairs, downstairs and these kind of shows you know we'll look back and and enjoy them uh, just just as much. I think The Crown was number one on Netflix until um, Bridgerton came along. And 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 I'm only mentioning Bridgerton because Bridgerton is, is filmed very close to um, uh, Highgrove, which is where I'm be, where I live. Uh, Highgrove, um, you know, it's only over in Bath, which is 25 minutes away. So mm-hmm. it's quite. Um, it's obviously that that You know, what I'm trying to say is The Crown will then. It'd probably be taken by that, and you know, over the years, it'll be kind of not forgotten. But it'll be one of those things that sometimes we we put on and we watch and we enjoy it all over again. But no, I think that I think the the fun, you know, I think the fun and and um, and more importantly, it's, it's it's giving people you know, it gives people jobs, which at the moment is obviously something that everyone's trying to, especially in, in that that world. You know, it's, it's important that people can keep working.
1: Because you started in uh, media, is there any hobbies that you have now? to do with creativity uh,
0: yeah, <laughs> Yes. um so um what's really funny uh with the first lockdown last march i had started doing little bits of videos and stuff on my youtube channel and then when lockdown came along and i suddenly discovered that i no longer had any classes i had no butter classes i had no etiquette classes i had no media work everything as you as we all know stopped and so I decided um, i just got a, a Mark 5 Canon camera, which is what they use sometimes in um, TV companies or production companies will use for filming. I also luckily had just got some Rode microphones, which uh, are, again, the microphones that sometimes you'll see them using. And I decided to start making these what I call quarantine etiquette videos, which is all about teaching people etiquette during quarantine with the Royal Dashens, as they've now become, with my dogs. And I'd be doing everything from laying afternoon tea tables, dinner tables, seven drinks in the garden, picnics in the garden, uh, ironing—you know, having my dogs ironing, doing the laundry, hang—you know, seeing the, the the napkins getting ironed and starched and all this kind of thing, or uh, before I should say. So I mean, it's all it, all that kind of thing. And then I would edit them, and I then get the music and and everything. And I was so I was doing all this and put them all. up. And I I can't—I had so many showbiz. Uh, when I say showbiz, I'm talking about A-list showbiz friends will be phoning me and messaging, messaging me, and they were saying, "Grant, how are you getting a production team to do this? Because we can't, we're not getting filming. How, where are you getting this production team from?" And I was going back saying, "It's me. <laughs> there is no production team. It's me." Do you know I get email? I had one the other day. I had an email the other day, uh, literally uh, was it yesterday, or the day before. Uh, from this lady, just saying, You have no idea how much these videos um, kept me going, you know, kept me laughing, smiling.
1: It's really interesting to see how we all kind of develop our skill set in social media because we don't need to have reality TV shows nowadays. We can just create the content that we want to.
0: Exactly. And I mean, even if, as you probably know, I mean, look at all these youngsters, the kids today that will let you get on their phones and they'll just, they'll just film anything, from makeup, um, you know, in the garden, uh, going for walks with the friends, whatever, and the views just go silly, you know, people just love it. So it's, it's quite interesting how how people, um, you know, how people can, I've got, anyone, anyone today can, can do it. I mean, look at all these YouTubers that we don't even know about, and they've got these huge, huge audiences and making all this money. I'm, I must also quickly tell you, I was in my local town of Tetbury, uh, a couple of months ago, and when we were working we're with this, um, we actually with um, um, I was actually with a friend, um, a, a chap called Tristan Gemmel, who, uh who is a, a an English actor, British actor, and we we bumped into each other in, in time. We were chatting, and it was really funny because we were talking about social media and, and and things like that, and and how it's kind of you know, growing and become this big thing. And the next thing this chap walked past, and he had a jacket on. It says it says a YouTuber and it was so weird, I'd just been talking to Tristan about YouTubers and he has this chap from Pat with his YouTube jacket it, and it's got his name on it, he's like, I'm a YouTuber and he's got all the kit, he's, he's got the proper things for filming for to all his iPhone, it's like a little frame and microphones and so we're going, well that's always a proper YouTuber so we look him up, he's so got his name and um, the other chap I was with, Jack, says to me oh he's got, um, he said oh, I think he's got about 7,000 subscribers so I was like, oh, is that all? So, so Jack and Tristan can kind of look at me and go, well, what have you got? And I said, I think I've got about 17. And they're like, no. And then this friend, Jack, going, you can't. You no, know, you, you haven't got that. And because they both look at it and they go, oh, my God, you've got, got like 17,000 subscribers. And I was like, yeah. I said, so I'm actually a bigger YouTuber than the YouTuber. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, such a funny, it was such a funny moment because I don't class that as a lot. I really don't. Because if you look at YouTubers, they can have millions, you know, um so but anyway it's made me focus a lot more on youtube so at the moment instagram and youtube are the two platforms i'm probably spending a lot more time on because i'm really keen to to and facebook and you know, i'm really keen to kind of grow those um twitter kind of just kind of holds its own it kind of does its own thing but it, again how what an amazing way to communicate with people today and people know they can reach out to me and and i can share i, I mainly share etiquette tips humorous etiquette tips and things on my social platforms and media you know media appearances or media work uh, and people seem to really
1: enjoy it do you do anything on tiktok
0: (laughs) i started um they're all are on tiktok they have a they have hundreds of people following them i can't believe i think i've got 40 followers and they've got like 800 followers um but i i started doing um I, i was trying to work out what to do on it, and I was kind of initially I was kind of put. I put my Netflix thing up there. I, you know, the the, the promotion thing that I did, uh, the advert. I've i put a couple of videos up, and they get a few hundred hits. And then I put one. I put a I did a I um I put a message, a statement out the other day about Harry and megan because obviously there was a lot of people. Um, I felt attacking them, and I just I just didn't think it was fair. Uh, I, I, don't get me wrong I'm, I'm not kind of taking sides I just said you know you, we've all got to kind of just let them all you know take a step back and just be supportive of everybody involved and you um, know just reminding people about being kind and anyway I put this on TikTok and, and I couldn't believe it. I looked the other day and it's been seen I think it's 1,170 odd views and God and many comments and likes and I'm thinking the one thing I put up that's got nothing to do with what I normally talk about and it goes you know it goes it goes crazy. And then, and I should quickly mention the other thing, um, funny enough, and this is when you actually realize that, you know, you're obviously doing something right. Um, a few months ago, I was attacked on social media, if I can say that, or trolled, whatever you want to call it. And it's happened a few times and I decided um, to kind of speak out about it. And at the end of my, this, I did this video and at the end of the video, I said, you know, to I, I said, please remember, kindness makes you um, um, Kindness makes you or breaks you, meaning if you're kind to people, it can make you. But at the same time, if you're not kind, um, it breaks you. I can't remember the exact quote that's gone out of my head just now, but um, I can always I can always forward it.
1: Um, it's um, it. I I and, actually have it up here. Kindness makes you, and rudeness destroys you.
0: That's it. Kindness makes you, rudeness destroys you. And what I'm trying to say is, if you're kind to people, they always remember. If you if you're rude to people, they always remember it. And the reason I say that, and I'll give you a very good example. I remember many years ago at the palace, there was a a lady who, um, quite a well-known lady, and she was being rude to this chap. And she thought this chap was just hired in staff. What the lady didn't realize was she was actually being rude to one of the Queen's personal staff members, close personal staff members. I think it's safe to say that that individual probably wouldn't get an invite back again. But they wouldn't have realised that. And, the, and if she had been nice and polite, as you should be, you know, it, it's not going to do you any harm. You, you know, it doesn't do you any harm. But where rudeness can do a lot of harm. So that's why I, I put that out. And what's been extraordinary, I then noticed, do um, you know, it was so funny. I was on social media and, I, and I, this profile came up. And in the profile, it was my quote. It was the quote, and I thought, "Wow, you know how, how amazing that you actually come out of the quote and and people like it that much. They actually use it as the headers and things." So that's um that's something I'm quite I'm quite proud of. Actually, having some a quote that actually um it kind of sums me up. Really, it sums up everything I believe in. Well,
1: I don't know anybody who wants to be unhappy and angry. I think that everybody wants to be on a positive note. So when you're being nice to someone else, you're having a better reaction.
0: Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's, you know, people that say, oh, I like being nasty or whatever, I don't believe that. It's not in mm. our makeup. No way. I think if you're, I mean, there's obviously people that, you know, I understand there's people that will have, you know, suffer from different things or on medication and all sorts that can affect you. But I think the core, I mean, you know, when we when we're little, you know, when we're, we're newbies, you know, when we're babies and things, you know, we're, we're happy. We've got no worries, no cares. Everything's perfect. And then, obviously, we get modelled, and we, you know, get made into the people we become. And and you know, you can in some ways it's it's good, but in some ways it's also it can also be bad. You know, but that's that's the thing about um, free will, isn't it? You know, that we've all got you know got the opportunity to be the people we can be, and and you know, we we make it, we, we we make our own destiny. We are the way we are, the way we behave, that that affects our lives from well, for the rest of our lives. You know, and that's how when you're long gone, that's how you're remembered.
1: How do you deal, deal with those scenarios? Place? How do you deal with those scenarios when people are being rude to you?
0: Um it's really difficult because I used to when people were rude to me I used to kind of take it. People could be rude to me and I would say nothing um, and I would just let it go. And then I when I lost my father uh suddenly very suddenly and I, I struggled, you know it was a, it was a, it was a shot, huge huge shot and literally the day after somebody was rude to me and I I actually spoke back for the first time ever. And when I spoke back, the reason I spoke back was I said, I actually spoke back to say that I thought there was no need for them to be rude to people. And I said, because I've just lost somebody very dear to me. And I said, I don't need somebody being horribly rude for no reason when I've done nothing wrong. And this person was absolutely horrified that I spoke, couldn't believe I dared speak back, but at the same time, apologized. And that was like, you no, know, I let it go. And then, ironically, I mean, this is so weird. I lost my mother last year, and, and soon after, the exact same thing happened again. Exact same. It's so strange. Same thing. And I did. This, I had the same reaction. And I think the, the the way I am now, I'm not. Please don't think I'm not going to be rude to people at all. But if somebody's rude to me or or without any reason, I think I'm quite. I'm now at a point where I will I will say to them, I will speak back to them and say I don't think it's acceptable. You know, um. For years, I'd kind of take it, and I'm not saying. You know, I think the thing you've got to be careful of, if, if it was a younger person saying to me, you know, is it right to speak back? No, I mean, my, as a youngster, I never spoke back to anyone. Never, ever. I think it's just when you become a bit more wiser and, and older and you realise you don't need to kind of put up with nonsense that you do um, do it. But I think, I think the thing I've got to sometimes remember, you, there's a certain way of doing it. And, you know, the, you, you've got to kind of obviously, if you do decide to um, speak back or, or defend yourself to somebody, um, you've got to tr- you've got to try, and it's easier said than done because we all know that but you've got to try to to try to remain composed and you know get your argument or your point across, but without it becoming a uh, because what you don't want is to have some sort of you know somebody to then speak back and you end up with a a kind of <laughs> fighting match as such. You know you I think you you say your bit and then and then it's done, and if the person wishes to continue, then that's up to them. But but don't you retaliate? You know I think I think it's standing up for yourself. And and not taking any nonsense, but at the same time, you don't want something to become a um, a problem. But it, but just very quickly, if you also meant in a working capacity, if you meant as a butler on a private house and somebody was rude to me, um, I, it's it's slightly different because obviously it's drummed into that whole saying that the customer is always right, and and so normally, you know, I would normally if somebody was rude to me or whatever, I would I would I wouldn't be rude back. Uh, this is the younger me, I wouldn't be rude, but if it happened today um somebody was rude to me or whatever um, I think it depends on the person, it depends on the situation, it depends where it is um, But I probably would defend myself if, if I felt that it was necessary, you know, to defend myself As I said, it just depends on, the, it depends on the, the, the situation. I think if somebody was snapping their fingers for me Say I was in a room and somebody snapped their fingers I'd probably kind of go, up, go over to them and say, have you lost your dog? Or something you know i probably tried to come back with some little witty witty kind of comment or something so i think people forget that when you you know in in service or in any job you're doing it because obviously it's your job you're paid for it you don't have to take any nonsense i think if people are rude or you know unpleasant to you you have got the right to kind of um within reason you've got the right to kind of stand up to yourself but as i said i don't mean in a in a an argumentative way but just more in a in a way of saying that you don't need to put with it, and and that's why. In fact, I must say, actually, and even when working with the royal family, I had a couple of instances where people were very. There was an individual who was very rude to me for no reason. He was a, a somebody that could be a bully. It very much could be a bully, and I, I remember one occasion when this individual tried to, um, tried to bully me. If I can say that, and I wasn't having any of it. You know, I I very much made that clear, uh, and I. Stood up to them, and I left the left the room where they were, and refused to be anywhere near them again until um, the individual didn't do it again. You know, so so what I'm trying to say, I think there's ways of 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 kind of behaving, you know, with situations. But I think if you're in the situation that like I was in, where somebody was actually, as far as I was concerned, was being bullyish, then by all means, you've got the right to stand up to them because I think that's you. you people make the mistake of of letting bullies get away, and that's what we shouldn't we shouldn't allow.
1: No way, not not in today's society. That.
0: No, exactly, exactly, and that's why you know as I, said, I haven't really kind of talked about it, but you know it has happened a couple of times, not just um, when I was in the household, but you know in a couple of other um, a couple of other places. Um, you know it's happened, and you know and as a kid I was bullied, so that's the thing. But I was bullied as a because I was bullied as a kid, that made me even more determined not to allow it to happen in the workplace. You know, and, and it does happen, don't me wrong; it does happen, but you, you realize at that point you don't need to stand, you, you don't have to stand for it, you can actually do something.
1: Mm, whenever I feel like I'm in one of these situations, I really just focus on my breath, and I just try to breathe deeply. <laughs> yeah, and then... Yeah, because
0: it's true, Yeah, because yeah, walk away, walk away and, mm, and breathe.
1: Because one of the things that I've found out is, most of the time, they're not even really mad at you. They're just mad with their own situation. No.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, and you're quite right. Do you know I was in a situation a few weeks ago, and somebody was being—they uh, were coming across as rude, and I thought the best thing to do is to walk away, which I did. Went out of the way, um, kind of, you know, breathed, uh, as you would say, you know, did the count to ten, and then then it was fine. And I think that's the thing. If you if you if you don't want to say something, you'd rather not say anything and you want to kind of de-escalate the situation, the best thing is just to walk away, calm down, and then come back.
1: Thank you very much, Grant, for being on the podcast.
0: Thank you for asking me. Because it's, 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 I know this is obviously quite a, 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 new, a new series, and it's, it's, I'm, very, I'm excited and thrilled to be asked to do it. I think it's, I think it's very exciting, and it's been really fun um, working with the team on, on also on obviously on the magazine and things as well. So it's, it's great fun, really great team, really good fun to be involved. So, so thank you. Beautiful. Have a great day.